You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, this is week number three of our series called Psalm Psalm 91, God's Promise of Protection. And uh, just again, just to touch base and tell you the the reason that the Lord led me to do this series is as I was praying after recent events that have been going on in our world, um, especially with, uh, you know, school issues, shootings and things like that that have been happening. And, you know, it's getting to the point now where... uh, there's shootings happening all over the place. But here's the good news, and here's what the Lord told me uh, in response to that, and that was this. No parent of mine, meaning a parent that is a child of his, should have to live in fear where sending your child to school is concerned. So he gave me specific instructions to teach what Psalm 91 says and uh, his promise of divine protection and how we can live in that. Now, you know, and and again, I made mention of this, but listen, you need Psalm 91 when you go to Walmart. Hallelujah. (laughs) You need Psalm 91 when you go to the mall. Uh, You know, we need it everywhere we go. And so God's uh, promise of protection is absolutely awesome. And uh, we're going to just begin to study some of these things. Let me give credit where credit is due. And uh, a lot of the material for the series that we've been covering. I never like to use somebody else's material and then not give them credit for it. Now, the rules are, I I have to do it this time. Next time, I might mention it. Third time, it's my material. Okay, so that's the way this thing works. But if uh, this is a great little book by Gloria Copeland, which you can get for free right now if you go to, uh, and I gave this website out last week, but it's kcm.org forward slash no fear, one word, N-O-F-E-A-R, and it will take you right to a download, and you can download it, and this book is included with it, and uh, just a great little book uh, to get us acclimated to believing God and walking in Psalm 91. So that's kcm.org forward slash no fear, one word, N-O-F-E-A-R, and it'll automatically uh, bring you up to a download, and you just download that to your computer or phone and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. So let's get into this. I want to read Psalm 91 again. You been Anybody been reading Psalm 91 like we talked about? Okay, I, I prescribe, this is your prescription for the rest of this month, and that is I want you to read Psalm 91 every day from now until the end of the month, okay? And I, it doesn't matter what translation you read it from, whichever one you prefer, uh, you know, typically I read uh, from the New King James or the New Living. I study from the Amplified in the New King James. But, uh, I, you know, you just get you a translation that is good for you, that you understand, and then read this psalm every day. It wouldn't take you two minutes to read through it. So let's do this. Let's read from the Amplified Bible. And so it says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Now, I want to say something to you before I I continue reading this. 
The things we're going to talk about today are going to seem like they're too good to be true, but they are true, and they're too good because our God is too good. Can I get an amen? All right? So I don't want you to discount this in any way, shape, or form. God would not say the things that we're getting ready to read if he did not mean them and did not intend for us to live in them, okay? All right, so verse two, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On him I lean and rely and in him I confidently trust. For then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover you with his pinions, that's part of his wings, which the scripture talks about. God doesn't literally have wings, but it's a symbol. We'll talk about that later. And under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night or terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Say that. Say, it shall not come after me. It shall not come near me. My household, my family, in Jesus' name. Only a spectator shall you be yourself inaccessible to the, in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil. Everybody say, no evil. There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. Now, I know you don't live in a tent, you live in a house, so just put house there, all right? So there's no evil that shall befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your house. For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone." You shall tread upon the lion and the, and the adder, the young lion and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. And then this is the Lord talking now, because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name, has a personal knowledge of my mercy, my love, kindness. He trusts and relies on me knowing I will never forsake him no Never. Hallelujah. Now, I love the fact, anybody in here ever experienced God's mercy? Okay? Anybody in here ever experienced God's love? How about his kindness? Then you have a personal knowledge of those things. Okay? So, then he says in verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. You know, somebody says, well, pastor, you know, I've been praying and I haven't heard anything from the Lord. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he's answering you. Are you really listening? Hallelujah. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Everybody say long life. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, 
somebody says, well, what does it mean by long life? Well, till you're satisfied. And by the way, okay, now I know this is going to sound weird, all right, but I, if, if I get labeled a weirdo, I'm just a weirdo. But here, here we go. You don't have to leave this earth sick. You leave this earth when you get ready to leave this earth and you're satisfied. Somebody uh, said, well, you know, I don't know about all that. You know, how am I going to die if I don't get sick? Well, you just decide one day you're ready to go home to be with the Lord and you believe it's your time. Go sit down somewhere. That, I know that sounds funny. Uh, there's a minister, great minister named E.W. Kenyon, who was alive uh, during the early part of the 20th century. He lived a long life, well up into his 80s or even early 90s, if I remember correctly. But his daughter, uh, he told his daughter one day, he said, uh, I, I believe he said something to this effect, next Thursday, I'm going to heaven. He just knew it in his heart, knew it in his spirit, and it was time. He had lived a long life, been effective in ministry. And so I, I think this is the way it went, if I remember correctly. And so when that day came, he went and sat in his chair in the living room and uh, just began to worship God, closed his eyes and breathed his last and stepped over into glory. Not sick, not broke down, wore out and all that kind of thing. So that is what God's plan is for us. Now, if you get sick and die, you know, there's no condemnation in that. You just get to heaven before the rest of us, okay? All right, so now... Let me just do a couple of things for review, for uh, just for those of you who might have missed a couple of parts. In week, in week number one, we looked at the conditions of verse one that must be met for this wonderful promise to come to pass in our lives. So it said, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. So dwelling and abiding are the two things that we have to do to meet the conditions. So write this down on your notes, please. And that is this, we must learn to dwell in the secret place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We must learn to dwell in the secret place and abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now in the Hebrew language, the words translated dwell and the word translated abide are two different words in the Hebrew. And they mean this, to dwell means to sit down. You ever had a parent or grandparent say, you need to get somewhere and sit down, okay? I'm telling you as your pastor, get in the presence of God and sit down, okay? Sit down there and remain. Now, anybody ever told you growing up, find somewhere and sit down and be still? I heard that, okay? So that's what the Lord is telling us. He that sits down and is still and remains in the presence of God shall abide. Now, abide means this, make it your permanent home. Dwell there, stay there permanently. In other words, don't let it be a thing where you come in and go out, come in and go out, come in and go out. All right? I, I believe the Lord is looking for a church, a group of believers, and I believe that's who we have at Spring Hill, but the Lord is looking for a group of believers that are just looking to get in as far as we can go. We're not looking to see where the line is so on Sunday I can get in and then the rest of the week I can kind of live the way I want to live. No, we're, we're a church of people that want to get in. We want to dwell there. We want to stay there and we want to just remain in the presence. So 
What this means is, is we stay as close to him as we possibly can get. Somebody says, well, what if I mess up? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if you happen to maybe step over the line a little bit and you do sin, don't stay there. Run back in and say, Lord, I missed it. Please forgive me. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from that and it'll be as though you never sinned. All right? And uh, so that's good preaching right there. Praise the Lord. Here's the, here's the next thing that we said in the first week that I want to remind you of and write this down. For every moment you invest, and you have to look at it as an investment, every moment you invest in the Word of God, hearing and doing it, you will get back a harvest of faith, health, and deliverance. Okay, so... When you take time to read the Word of God, don't look at it as something you just check off your to-do list and so I can move on to the next thing. No, it's an investment. You're investing in your spiritual life. You're investing in your relationship with Jesus. Okay, so last week we talked about verse 2, where verse 2 says this, I will say of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So he said, I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge, my fortress, my God on him. Uh, I lean and rely in him. I confidently trust. So we talked about how you have to put these words into your mouth and say them over your life, over your children, over your household. You have to release your faith with the words of your mouth. And here's the thing, that you need to say this until you become fully convinced that it's yours. You know, we, uh, we talked Wednesday night about Abraham, and in Romans chapter 4, it says Abraham became fully persuaded or fully convinced that God would do what his promise was. And so you need to say the word of God and become fully convinced and persuaded that Psalm 91 is for you and it is what God will do for you and your family. Okay, so say it until it gets down in your heart. So write this down, please. When you say, in other words, when you speak the word, until you have God's kind of peace on the inside, you can be assured that you have supernatural protection on the outside. That's good stuff right there, okay? What do I mean by that? Speak the word of God until, and peace is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Peace is something that's right down here because you can have all kinds of stuff going on out here but have peace right down here in your heart. And when you speak the word of God until that peace settles down in your heart, you can have confidence that because I have peace on the inside, God's going to take care and protect me in all this that's going on on the outside. All right? So that is the end of the review. Let's go on to the new material. And I want to kind of cover some things verse by verse in the Psalms. So let's look at Psalm 91, verses 3 and 4. Again, from the Amplified, it said this, For then, when you have met those conditions that we saw in verse 1, then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Then he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth shall be 
your shield and buckler. So let's break this down. Let's look at this. Verse three, he talks about something called the snare of the fowler. Now, what this is, is this is a method of hunting that they would use at this particular time, and they would set traps for birds that would try and come and, you know, consume crops and things like that. And so what I want you to get out of this is write this down, please. The snare of the fowler is referring to hidden dangers, which are the traps laid by the devil to cause you harm. How many of you know you may be smart, but you ain't that smart? How many of you know God is smarter than we are? Okay, so I've learned that. You know, I might be okay, but, you know, there's things that I miss. I have blind spots sometimes, and uh, not literally driving, but it could include driving. And, And the thing that you have to understand is, that the devil is out to steal, kill, and destroy your life. You got to settle that, all right? And so you need to understand that he is, he works full time. He doesn't take weekends off. He doesn't work from nine to five, Monday through Friday. It's full time, 24-7. And so there are going to be times when you and I are focused on something, you know, that that we're doing or uh, heading towards or, you know, something along that line that the enemy is laying in wait to try and spring a trap to cause harm for your life. Here's the good news. God said that he would deliver us from the snare of the fowler. In other words, those traps will not trap you. As a matter of fact, well, I don't have time to get into it today, but I can show you from the scripture how God will cause the devil's traps to backfire on him and turn it against him and turn it for you, all right? So the snare of the fowler is referring to hidden dangers, which are traps laid by the enemy. So then the, that same verse says this. It says that uh, you, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Well, pestilence is not a word that we use every day. And uh, so what I want to do is I want to let the Bible define what a pestilence is. So would you trust Jesus if he gave you a definition? Thank you for those four amens. How about the rest of you? Would you trust if Jesus gave you a definition to what the word pestilence is? All right. Well, Luke 21, verse 11 in the Amplified Bible, Jesus answering some questions that the disciples raised about the end times They asked him, what is going to be going on? What is it going to be like? And so Jesus answers and he said this, there will be mighty and violent earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. And then it's, that is defined and see if this sounds familiar. Plagues, malignant and contagious or infectious epidemic diseases, which are deadly and devastating. Okay, that's what a pestilence is. Can I help you with something in case you weren't familiar? We just went through a pestilence called COVID-19, okay? Now, you have to determine what is right for your life, okay? Now, somebody, you know, I've been asked over the last couple of years, you know, um, how I felt about the vaccine and all of that. Well, here's the thing. I like my doctor. We have a great relationship. My doctor recommended that I get the vaccine, I trust him, and so I got the vaccine. 
Now, my faith is not in the vaccine. My faith is in this, okay? But if there's something I can do to boost my protection, okay, and my doctor, I have confidence in him. If he says that that is a good thing for me to do, then I'm going to do it. It'd be the same thing as if I was going traipsing through the woods where I know there are snakes present and I carry a firearm on my side to dispatch a snake if I happen to see one. It's just an added little bit of protection. And it has nothing to do with my faith. It doesn't take away from my faith. Now, I've, you know, I've got friends that are anti-vax. I've got friends that are pro-vax. And, and listen, you know, and I've had them, you know, refer to people that get the vaccine as idiots and stuff like that. So I said, okay, I'm an idiot then, I guess. But anyway, I have not been sick. All right. Now, again, my faith is not in the vaccine. My faith is not in Pfizer. My faith is in Jesus. All right. Are, are, you, are you listening to me? Now, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we can trust God that in the middle of, of something like COVID-19 that he will not protect us and keep us safe. Okay, so when they started this business about monkeypox, I'm sorry, the name just, you know, it's kind of like swine flu. Why, why, do we, why did they name a flu after a hog? I, you know, I don't know. But anyway, I'm not getting monkeypox. I'm not getting swine flu. I'll not have COVID-19, all right? I, I, I trust God's word to defend me and protect me and keep me from the pestilence. That's what he promised. So, so what this means is, is when you and I, and listen, COVID-19 is only the beginning. You need to understand that, all right? So listen, you can't let everything that we hear about in the news frighten you. All right, just so every time they come up with some kind of pox or something like that, just raise your hand and say, Lord, I thank you that you deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. You know what a noisome pestilence is? It's a pestilence that's loud. All right. Are you, are you listening to me? Okay. So again, you know, as far as vaccines and that type of thing, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, you need to get it or don't get it. Some pastors do. I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's up to you. You're grown. You can make decisions on your own. Hallelujah. All right. So here's the good news. Psalm 91 is always up to date. So no matter what kind of pox, what kind of disease, what kind of virus comes out, it's always up to date and it's got it covered. Okay? So you do not have to fear. So, so any new threat that the devil can come up with, Psalm 91 has it covered and promises protection over it. All right? Are you listening to me? So say this, thank you, Lord, that you have delivered me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence in Jesus' name. All right, so let's go to verse 5, Psalm 91, verse 5. It says this, you shall not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day. So can I say this to you? You do not need to fear terrorists. Now, the devil is the biggest terrorist of them all. You know, I remember going way back, uh, you know, to the early 70s when, you know, when you really first started hearing about terrorism, 
And terrorism is really designed to do just that. It's designed to create fear. And that's what terrorists do. And so here it says, you don't have to be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, uh, nor of the pestilence, there we go, that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. So can I say this to you? That covers shootings at the mall, the grocery store, no matter what might be going on, that covers it. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be. You're, you yourself inaccessible to, in the secret place of the Most High as you witness the reward of the wicked. In other words, as you and I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we're going to see those things happening, but it shall not come near you. Now here, can I say this to you? We don't dwell in the secret place of the Most High so we can say, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I'm safe and you're not. No, our job is to say, hey, you want to be safe? Here, let me tell you about Jesus real quick. And then they can walk in it too, all right? It's not so that we can become this elite class, you know, that we're believers and we don't worry about all of that kind of stuff because we are super spiritual. No, it, it has nothing to do with that. It has to, everything to do with our relationship with Jesus. And anybody that enters into a relationship with Jesus Christ, in other words, is born again, is, is, is a candidate to receive what we're talking about today, all right? So I just wanted to say that. Now, here's something that I, I want to say to you. There are a lot of things in our modern time that can bring great destruction. I mean, you think about since World War II, um, there are weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons, nuclear weapons, biological weapons, all kinds of things that have been invented since that time frame. All of that is included right here, Okay. So, you know, I pray that any of our adversaries would not endeavor to, uh, you know, to do some of the things that they might like to do. Um, but here's the thing, you and I are protected from that. Your household is protected from that if you walk in that, okay? Can I get an amen? All right, a cough or something. Let me know you're still here. All right, so here's what I want you to write down. Despite the magnitude of the disaster, God has promised we can stand in the midst of it untouched. Now, can I say this to you? Um, you know, we're in the middle of tornado season. We're in the middle of hurricane season. Okay? Um, I'm just bold enough to believe that if Jesus can stand up and talk to the wind and the waves, we can too. Okay, because if you'll remember, somebody says, well, that's awfully cocky. No, listen, he turned around and said to the disciples, in essence, and I paraphrase this, why didn't you do that? Where's your faith? Okay, so just food for thought, something for you to think about. So the psalmist is talking about a 1,000 falling at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. You know, that's a lot of destruction happening all around you. And here's the thing that I want you to get from this psalm. That means you are right in the middle of it, but it does not touch you. Can I say this to you? 
What we are talking about does not exempt us from trouble. It protects us in times of trouble. So you're not, um, I don't want to ever portray to people that the life of faith that we teach and we believe that the word of God uh, wants us to walk in and that God desires for us to walk in eliminates us from problems. But it eliminates the problem being able to affect your life. Okay? So I just want to make sure I make that clear. So write this down, please. When you are in that secret place, it doesn't matter how terrible your situation might be, you can make it through in safety. You can make it through in safety. Okay, so there, you might find yourself in a situation where there's stuff happening all around you. But if you'll keep your confidence in the Lord, stay in him, walk in him, he will bring you through that in safety. Now, we serve the same God. Okay, let me just refresh you of a little story, kind of similar to what we're talking about, but there's a point. Anybody ever heard of the guy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, who refused to bow their knee to King Nebuchadnezzar? What happened to them? They got thrown into what? Okay, so, so were they exempt from going into the fiery furnace? No. See, their faith in God did not exempt them from the fiery furnace, but while they were in the fiery furnace, the fourth man was with them the whole time. Now, again, I'm not going to preach that message. That's an awesome message. But it was Jesus that was with them in the trouble the whole time. Now, get this. They went into the furnace bound, tied up, feet and hands. They were thrown into the furnace. When King Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace to find out what was happening with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he himself noticed, he said, I see a fourth man who looks like the son of God and he saw them walking around in the fiery furnace. The ropes had been burned off. Everything that, can I, I'm gonna say this, everything that had bound them up and shackled them was removed even in the midst of the fiery furnace. Here's the, the point of all this. You can be going through a fiery furnace in your life and the fourth man will show up and set you free from some stuff that might be hindering you that has nothing to do with the fiery furnace. And, and the king brought them out and they came out and smelled like they had been to Bed Bath & Beyond. Or Bath & Body Works. That's the correct one. They're the ones with all the lotions and candles, right? Okay. In other words, they came out of the fiery furnace and didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. See, you can go into the fiery furnace, bound up, come out, set free, and then not even having a, 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 a singed eyebrow... Your, your clothes don't smell, they st still smell gain fresh. Hallelujah. Like you hadn't even been in the fire. All right? So I just had to remind you of that. So look at Psalm 91 verse 15, just jumping ahead. Look at the uh, contemporary English version. It said this, when, not if, when you are in trouble, call out 
to me. Now, this is huge, and we'll talk more about this later, but here's the thing I want you to see. What we do sometimes is we get into trouble and don't call out to him. We say, I've got this. I can handle this. And you know what God does when you say that? Okay. I'm here if you need me, but it's on you. No, I love the fact that this says, when you are in trouble, call out to me. Don't wait till you've been in the trouble for about two weeks. The moment you sense the trouble starting, call out to him. Because look at what he said. I will answer and be there to protect and honor you. The, the New King James says uh, that when you are in trouble, call out to him and I will be with him in trouble and deliver him. Okay? So you have that promise, all right? Now, let's go on. Psalm 91, verses 9 and 10, because you have made the Lord. Now, this is a reminder. The psalmist has to remind us. We're halfway through the psalm now, so he's reminding us what the, what the requirements are. So, because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place. So, just as a reminder, this is our part. So, when we do our part, here's what happens. There shall no evil befall you, nor any plague or calamity come near your house. Okay, so write this down, please. When we do our part, saying and trusting, God does his part, delivering and preserving. Let me say that again. When we do our part, dwelling in the secret place, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, God does his part. So when we are saying and trusting what God's word says, God does his part, delivering and preserving. Aren't you glad God does his part? That's why I said a while ago in our prayer that he is a faithful God. You can count on him to do what he said he would do. All right, so now let's go to verses 11 and 12. And uh, this is what I want to focus on for the rest of our time together today. And then we're going to talk about this more next week. But Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12 said this, For he will give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, you know, one day, of course, we're all going to end up in heaven if Jesus comes back or if he tarries. You know, we'll go home to be with the Lord. And I, one of the things I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven is finding out all the stuff my angels did that I had no clue it was them in protecting me, keeping me from that car accident, stopping me from doing this or, or protecting me in that. And, and I, I just think it's going to be absolutely awesome because I'm going to say, Lord, can I see a PowerPoint on what the angels did for me that I didn't know about? And I think it's going to take a minute because there's, listen, particularly, you, you know, um, you've heard me say this before. But there's an old country saying that God looks out after fools and, and uh, children, okay? All right? And you've heard me share my testimony before how when I was a little bitty kid, 
little bitty thing. Uh, you know, we'd go down to my grandfather's farm down in central Florida and run all over the place, play hide and seek in the cornfields. I'm talking about acres and acres and acres of farmland. I never saw one snake, not one, not a rattlesnake, not a coral snake, not a water moccasin, none of those snakes that, that can hurt, hurt me, all right? When I got to be of age, at the age of accountability, 12, 13 years old, I spent two summers down there again, and we killed two rattlesnakes within 50 feet of the front porch of the house. One of them was on the porch of the house. Okay? So somebody says, well, were they not there when I was a little kid? No, I believe they were there, but I believe that the angels protected me from them. Somebody says, well, how does he do that? Well, let me just remind you of something. You remember the children of Israel wandered around in the desert for 40 years. There was only one time because they got into disobedience, God had to take his hand off of them and serpents came flooding into the camp and started biting and killing people. What about the other 39 years, 12, 11 months and all that other time where we don't have any record of any snakes in the camp? Okay, God was protecting them, all right? So that's what I want you to see is that those angels are at work. So write this down, please. When we obey the word of God, God gives angels a special assignment to watch over you and keep you safe. Now, you have angels that are assigned to you. I have angels that are assigned to me. This church has angels that are assigned to it. So you brought yours with you. I brought mine with me. And then there were some that were already here because of the church. They're in this room right now. Somebody says, can you see them? No. Okay. I have never seen one. But I know they're there because the word says they're there. Okay. Somebody says, what, the, what do they look like? Well, I can tell you this. They're not fat little babies with wings, you know, that flutter around and, okay, like you see, like, you know, remember precious moments, those little things, okay, they, they, no, that's not what angels look like. They don't look like Cupid, okay? No, they're mighty warriors. There's scripture in the Old Testament where one angel came down and slew 179,000 people in an army that was coming against Israel. One, Jesus said this. You remember when he was arrested in the garden and uh, they were slapping him and, and questioning him? And he made this comment. Do you not think that all I'd have to do is say one word and my father would send 12 legions of angels? You know how many 12 legion is? 144,000. And guess what? They would have handled business. They would have taken care of everything. All Jesus had to do was open his mouth. Now, the reason he had to keep silent while they were questioning him, because I would imagine if I was him, the temptation was there to open my mouth. Okay? So they're, they're present. They are around us all the time. Let's look at some scriptures that, that verify this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, 
It says this, are not the angels, all ministering spirits, servants, sent out in the service of God for the assistance of those who are to inherit salvation? Is there anybody in the room today that's inherited salvation? Yes, we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, you have angels that are sent out in the service of God. They work for God, but they're to assist you because you're an heir of salvation. Psalm 34 verse 7 says this, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear who revere and worship him with all. Is there anybody in here that fears God? You worship God. Well, guess what? The angel of the Lord is encamped round about you. And each of them, he delivers. Okay? Now, I love this version. The, the easy to read version says this. The angel, the Lord's angel builds a camp. That's what encamps mean. So he builds a camp around his followers and protects them. In other words, when you allow them, your angels take up residence around you. Now, I want to say this to you, and we'll talk more about this as we develop this, but what a terrible thing it would be for you to have a bunch of unemployed angels hanging around you. Okay, and I'm not making fun when I say this, but you ever been by one of those temporary uh, agent, temp agency places, you know, that has the day workers and you, you ride by there early in the morning and you see all the, the folks standing out in front waiting to get picked up in the van. Wouldn't that be terrible if that's your life and that's your angels sitting around waiting on the van to pick them up because they ain't got nothing to do because they're not working at all because you aren't opening your mouth and speaking the word of God. Hallelujah. Okay, your angels set up camp wherever you are. When you move, they move. When you're at work, they go to work. When you're at home, they're at home. When you're in the car, they are in the car. Some of you make them have to hold on for dear life, but they're in the car, okay? When you're at the mall, they are at the mall. When you are at school, they are at school. They are everywhere that you are. Now, I want to go to a story real quick as we wrap this up in 2 Kings chapter 6. Okay, now, this is a story when the king of Syria was harassing the children of Israel. They are, you know, they are already in the promised land. They've established the kingdom. And so the king of Syria decides that he wants to make war against Israel. So it says in verse 8, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. So he tells his inner circle, this is where we're going to attack. He starts laying out his battle plans to his inner circle. Verse 9, And the man of God sent to the king of Israel. Now this is Elisha, the prophet. He sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass such and such a place, for the Syrians are coming down there. So God hears the conversations that are taking place in the throne room of the king of Syria, tells the prophet, and the prophet tells the king of Israel. And so then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him, and thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. So this happened several times. Verse 11, 
Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. He called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he said, Surely there's a spy among us that's telling what my plans are. And one of the servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet. Now, this guy was pretty smart. The Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you even speak in your bedroom. God, there ain't no secrets before him. Okay? All right. So he said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. In other words, I got to silence this guy. He's messing my plans up. So it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. He was down in Alabama. All right, there's Dothan, Alabama. Okay. Verse 14, therefore the king sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God got out of bed before Elisha did, he decided he was going to take a trip to Starbucks and get him and the man of God some coffee. Okay. Somebody says, that's not in there. It can be in my version. Okay. All right. And so when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what are we going to do? You ever looked around at your circumstances and you've said this, Lord, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do about this situation. It just looks like, you know, that there's all kinds of opposition coming against you, that there's, you know, it may not be a literal physical army, but it might be, it seemed like an army is coming against you. And the temptation is to say, Lord, what am I going to do about this situation? So he answered, verse 16, uh, this is Elisha speaking. So Elisha answered and said, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Can I say this to you? Whatever you might be facing, you need to get it down into your spirit. We need, I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm including me with this. We need to get it down in our spirit what the prophet just said. Do not fear. There are more who are with us than there be with them. What's he talking about? And Elisha prayed, verse 17, and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes, the servant's eyes, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now there's a couple of things that I want to point out to you about this story. And that is this, do you realize nowhere in the context of what we just read, does it say Elisha stopped and prayed and asked God for protection. Okay? Can I say this to you? Psalm 91 had already been pinned before this happened. Could it be Elisha was familiar with Psalm 91 
and what it says, he shall give his angels charge over you to bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. Could it be that Elisha knew that and didn't have to pray? See, folks, we need to understand there are some things we need to pray about and there are some things we don't have to pray about. If we'll just find out what the Word says, it's already settled. You don't have to pray about it. Now, here's something else I want you to see. How did Elisha know that they were there? Did he see them in the natural? No. You might go your entire life and never see an angel but you can still have the confidence and the faith in your heart to know they are there and never have to see them. That's what I, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I have meditated on this enough. I am so thoroughly convinced. I, if, if I never see an angel till I get to heaven, I am convinced they are here. They're in this room. They'll go home with me. And they're everywhere that I go to protect and to help me. They're on special assignment from heaven for me. And they're big dudes too. They're not these little things that sit on your shoulder and go, you know you ought to do right. And then there's one over here that says, you know you want to do wrong. No, it's not like that. My angels, your angels are mighty. Okay? Now here's what I want you to get to, and here's the last point. Write this down, please. Elisha knew the promise of God so well in his heart, he didn't have to see them with his natural eye. He could see them with the eye of faith. I've never seen Jesus before, but I know he's my Savior. I know he's my Lord. I know I will see him one day, but it doesn't take away. Just because I don't see him in the natural doesn't take away from my faith in him. Just like if I never see, physically see an angel, it doesn't take away from my faith in the fact that God said they are there. So here's what I want you to, to get down in your spirit is that, and we're going to talk more about this because I, like I said, I've never taught on angels before. We need to understand some things about angels and you need to understand that they are there, that they are with you, that heaven is has especially assigned them to you to protect you and to keep you safe. I'll share a real, real quick testimony, not my own, but from a minister. Uh, you might have heard of him. His name is Norville Hayes. His daughter had backslidden, gotten messed up on drugs, and Norval and his wife were praying for her and believing God for her. And so he was led to pray one night, Lord, Whatever you need to do, if you need to send an angel to get her attention. And so her name was Zona. Zona snuck in one night through the window of her bedroom. She was either drunk or high, one or both. And she crawled in the bed. And as she was going to sleep, she, she was cognizant enough. She looked up and there was an angel standing right there by her bed. It startled her so much, she knew that it was because of the results of the prayers of her mom and dad. And it startled her so much that, that she, she, first of all, she sobered up instantly and then went and got her dad and he prayed with her and, and she rededicated her life to the Lord. 
But folks, listen, you need to know that they are a sign. Now, here's one of the reasons that I believe God is stirring my heart to talk about this right now, and that is this. We are moving into a time and a season on God's timetable where angelic activity is being accelerated and, and escalated, where they are moving and working at an unprecedented level. Why? Because there's a harvest of souls that need to come into the kingdom of God before this thing wraps up, and they are out there working. Now, get this. They can't preach the gospel, but they can help you preach the gospel. And they are here to help and protect you and to keep you safe. So the, the, these wonderful promises that we have from Psalm 91, I want you to receive them. I want you to get them down on the inside of your heart and know that they belong to you and God wants you to walk in them and live in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word that we've heard today. Lord, I thank you for the promises that you have made. And the biggest thing, Father, is we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to tolerate fear. We don't have to allow fear that, Lord, we can receive what your word says by faith and we can confidently stand on it and know that it is true that not one syllable that you have uttered has failed to come to pass. And, Lord, these promises will come to pass in our lives. We thank you, Father, for your hand of protection. We thank you, Father, that we don't have to be afraid of the terror by night or the error that flies by day. Father, I thank you that we don't have to be afraid of pestilences and sicknesses and plagues and diseases. And Father, I thank you and praise you that there's nothing, nothing not one thing that the enemy can try and bring into our lives to destroy us, that Father, you are not protecting us from that. And we thank you for it. Lord, thank you for the angels, the ministering spirits sent forth to minister for us because we are heirs of salvation. Lord, help us to always do what the word says and obey your word to keep them busy, fulfilling your will, plan, and purpose in the earth. And I thank you for it. Lord, I pray that the word that we have talked about today has fallen on the good ground of the people of this church. And Father, it has and will produce faith on the inside of us so that we can walk in this life that you have prescribed for us and that you have us to walk in. Lord, I thank you that it's, it's not because of who we are, it's because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's all about, Father, fulfilling your will, plan, and purpose in the earth. We want to see people come into the kingdom of God. So, Lord, we purpose in our hearts to obey you so we can live a long, satisfied life and we can bring as many people to heaven with us. And, Father, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. We love you, Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And we thank you and we praise you for your goodness. Oh, what a wonderful Father you are. What a good, good Father you are. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And it's in your holy, precious name we pray and give you all the praise. Amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church Podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. 
If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.